You're tuning in to the Welcome to Motherhood podcast, the series that helps to make motherhood easier, one podcast at a time. I'm your host, Natasha Suttle, mum of four, midwife, educator, terrible housewife, and huge advocate for ditching the mum guilt. Find advice for all your motherhood questions from birth onwards. So here we go, let's get into it. I have come on here today to talk to you about COVID-19 or coronavirus. Either way, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It is the all-consuming topic and covering the whole world at the moment. So I'm coming on here to just to give some really solid medical-based research statistical information because there's a lot of information out there at the moment. We're talking on TV, on the news, we're talking in the um, newspapers, there's health organizations putting information out there, there's social media people without any medical qualifications putting information out there, and there's a lot of chatter going on because it is consuming the world. It will be affecting you, whether it's by worrying about the illness, whether it's by not being able to work, you know, your children not being able to go to school, potentially not being able to buy what you would normally buy in the supermarket because of the panic buying going on. You will be affected and probably consumed with knowing what's going on with COVID-19 as well. So this, again, I'm going to say a little disclaimer because it's going to be really important. I'm recording this on the 17th of March, 2020. The reason I'm saying that is because as with any new virus or new um, disease or anything like that, as time progresses, the research will potentially change. The findings will potentially change and what we're doing now is a recommendation or what the stats are at the moment in one year, two year, three years, four years, they may potentially be different. So I am going to give you that information so you know where I'm at and when I'm recording it. So I'm going to give you all the information you need to know for today. Basically, everything I'm going to cover in this episode is going to come from a place of medical research and fact-based information. The statistics I'm going to give you and the advice I'm going to give you has come from things like the World Health Organization or the CDC or medical journals such as The Lancet or you know the Australian College of Obstetricians. So we're talking proper medical-based information, not just my point of view or, you know, I'm always I'm always going to put that in amongst my episodes, but you will have um, solid information on which you can move forward with and feel a bit more educated. I live in Australia. So as of right now, um, today, there has been 336 cases confirmed of COVID-19. Across the world, it's now had 148 countries. So there's not too many countries that aren't affected in some way, shape or form, even if it's not with having positive um, tests coming back in their country, it will be potentially finance or travel or business. There will be implications across the world. Total cases across the world as of this morning is 168,019 cases. So that's just some stats to give you the idea of just how big this thing is getting um, and how far it's spreading currently as of today. I'm going to break the section down into two chunks. Basically, I'm going to talk pregnancy to start with, and then I'm going to talk with looking after a newborn as the second part of it, just so we can separate out the information and the facts. Starting with pregnancy. Pregnant women in general are in a state of what we call, they've got an immuno immunosuppressed system. So basically what that means is your body, if your immunity was at full force when you were pregnant, your body would think the baby's a parasite of some sort, it's taking the nutrients, we need to shut it down and we need to fight it. So mother nature and your body know that when you become pregnant, it needs to reduce that immunity right down 
to allow your baby to grow and, and thrive on the nutrients in your system. So pregnant women are always going to be an at-risk group for anything that goes around. So again, we have COVID-19 going around. Pregnant women are part of the, the always classed as one of the at-risk groups. As far as um, COVID-19 goes, the current statistics show that there is basically, I'm going to say no, but the risk of transmitting it to your baby is something they haven't found yet. They haven't found any transmission from pregnant women to newborn babies. So as far as the research states at the moment is that the placenta is stopping the virus getting into the baby. So babies being born to positive mums haven't come out having had the virus straight away, having having got the COVID-19 virus. And there have been multiple deliveries since the outbreak across the world, and those babies have been unaffected. With regards to recently, um, just this week, there was media reports of a baby in the United Kingdom that tested positive for COVID-19, but the medical team have come out and stated, and it's in a research article as well, that the presumption actually is that baby caught it after the delivery from the mother due to the fact that no other babies born have tested positive to COVID-19. Again, that is the information as it stands. There has been a whole lot of births across from a lot in China initially when it first broke out, but then also across the world. So that is good to know that as far as transmission to your baby goes, the placenta is doing its thing and it's keeping the virus out um, from your newborn baby. So the main risk for pregnant mums really is that they're more at risk of catching anything. And we hear this talk every year when it's flu season, um, that mums can catch it and they can potentially become more unwell when they get sick, when they do catch bugs and get sick as well. Interesting, although um, I there was an article recently in a medical journal that actually talked about the fact that when they look at pregnant women who have caught it versus non-pregnant women of the same age and same health status otherwise, pregnant women aren't any more unwell. So they're kind of looking at the fact that potentially pregnant women aren't getting more unwell than non-pregnant women of the same you know age and health status. So that is very reassuring for the pregnant population out there. Again, as of as of now, that's where we're at with pregnancy. Unless you were to get very, very unwell or had other health concerns or a whole lot of other stuff going on already with your obstetric history, there's no there's no current need to deliver you early or if you were to get it to you know deliver your baby or give you a compulsory cesarean section or anything like that so all the all the research points towards business as usual with regards to delivery and delivery at the normal time when you would have normally delivered otherwise unless obviously you were very very unwell and with anything in pregnancy it's always assessed on a different case-by-case basis um, and based on your, the health of you and the health of your baby. So there is no current implications with regards to getting coronavirus and having to deliver your baby early or anything like that. As far as um, after delivery, after delivery, a lot of talk has come up um, both on my social media pages. I've had messages about it. I've seen it in chat forums like everywhere um, with regards to is breastfeeding okay? Breast milk will always be the best food for your baby and it's absolutely full of antibodies. I'm just talking normally, even throughout without this virus. Breast milk is full of antibodies. It's going to give you a whole lot of stuff that your body as mum is making to help protect your baby from anything that may come its way. So breastfeeding is not just safe, it's probably even more recommended. I actually read an article um, 
on one of the World Health Organization pages that actually talked about if you're thinking about stopping breastfeeding soon, maybe even just keep going for a little bit longer while we've got this coronavirus going around as well. So breastfeeding is absolutely safe, full of antibodies, keep it up. Even if that means you're pumping or you're giving express breast milk or you know, you're just in the very early stages and just trying to give as much colostrum as you can, all of that is gold. It absolutely will help with your baby's immunity. So absolutely keep going. The only advice I would give and the research talks about is regards to being a bit more vigilant with washing hands. And if you are using express um, milk pumps and things like that or teats, just make sure you're even more vigilant with regards to cleaning of those pumps and the parts and the teats and things like that. And try to avoid sharing those amongst the, amongst yourselves. I know a lot of um, maternity wards might potentially, you know, share breast pumps between like once one person's used it, it gets cleaned and sterilized and someone else uses it. Those practices are always in place. So those, those machinery, that machinery is always going to still be safe to use because there's already measures in place in all those areas to keep people safe outside of this. With regards to um, distance, I read an article that infuriated me um, the other day and it talked about the fact that if the, to reduce the risk, you know, everyone should be 1.5 meters away, including mothers and their newborn babies. So we shouldn't be having skin to skin. Again, this article did not come from any kind of medical professional. It came from a blogger who didn't have any medical knowledge. Um, and keeping babies one and a half meters and not doing skin to skin because you're going to run the risk of any bugs on the mum's skin. That is just rubbish. Skin to skin and breastfeeding and that that bond and that amazing goodness of the breast milk, all of that is important, not just for immunity, but also for bonding, for the hormonal response after birth. All of that stuff needs to be absolutely still maintained unless you are too unwell. And this doesn't have to be with COVID-19. It could be with anything really. Unless mum herself is too unwell to care for her baby, then there's no reason that mums and babies need to be separated. So this, I mean, this is just something that we would be, attempting to do all the time so unless you weren't you were too unwell your baby stays with you you breastfeed you have skin to skin all of those things are all absolute huge things to still be doing um the only thing is as i say being a little bit more vigilant than usual with regards to washing of those hands and any um equipment that you're using as part of your breastfeeding journey the next thing I'm going to um, talk about, because we've kind of gone from pregnancy, we've had the baby, we talk about delivery and breastfeeding, is visitors. And there, I just want to make people aware who are pregnant. There are hospitals around the world that are now, have now changed it so it's only partners and siblings to visit, um, the mum and the baby. I don't think this is a bad thing, to be honest. It's something that if any of you had listened to my um, episode on reducing visitors in hospital, it is something that I generally support anyway um there's probably some of you going oh my gosh she's awful why do we not want grand and auntie and uncle and my boss and my sister and my netball team and all their kids to come and visit um the reducing the risk is the reduction in risk in this instance so for COVID-19 is not just to reduce the risk of visitors bringing bugs into you and your baby it's to reduce the risk of visitors bringing bugs into the whole entire ward that includes staff that need to be well to care for mums and babies if we're talking maternity ward it includes um, mums that need to be well to care for their babies themselves and partners and siblings and babies of your person, the person next to you, the person in the room next to you, the person in the visitor lounge. So this is something that not all hospitals are doing, have done so far, but it has started to be implemented in some hospitals. And I think this is a very, very good move. Um, and you would be thankful. And even though you might be annoyed that 
you know, grandma and auntie can't come and see your baby on the second day, just think how upset and horrified you would be if the person in the room next to you had their grandma and auntie come in and visit and they bought bugs in that then then transferred over to you and your baby. So it's just about keeping the whole ward safe. So I do support this move. Um, and also the upside of it is, again, it's kind of throwing back to my episode about visitors in hospitals, but the upside of it is that you then get the time to focus on making the most of your time with the medical help for you and your baby while you're in hospital. So something to be mindful of if you are about to deliver soon, you plan on just having potentially partner and siblings. Some some cases, if it gets worse, they may restrict it to partners even and no siblings. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just making an assumption. So just something to be mindful of going forward. When you now get home, so we've had the hospital visitors, we've now gone home to our home. Visitors in general, I suggest less. And I suggest less for many of the same reasons as I talked about in my hospital visitors. But also with regards to often um, women are really encouraged, not just women, sorry, families are really encouraged to not have too many visitors around their baby in those first few weeks. Often some people will restrict visitors until their baby's immunized for six weeks. Um, But just because your new baby is still so fresh into the world, it's trying to build up its immunity on what it's exposed to and with the breast milk. But you, you bringing visitors into the home to visit baby is just exposing to more potential risk and bugs as well. So there will be some people that, you know, it's a given that they're going to come and visit, but like grandparents and so forth. I would just be more vigilant in this day and age of COVID-19 of making sure no one was sick with anything. So for one, they hadn't traveled in the last, well, currently the stats is 14 days. So I'm going to go with 14 days. They haven't been exposed to anyone that has tested positive and they also haven't got any symptoms. And I would just be more stringent than ever. If anyone feels slightly unwell, has a little bit of anything, I personally am in a space where I'd be saying, no, unfortunately you will have to wait. It's just not worth it. It's just a case of being more mindful than ever and just keeping um, the bugs at bay, which is something that we should be doing for all babies anyway outside of this pandemic time. I would try to reduce kissing of the baby, um, apart from parents of obviously the baby. So, you know, the parents of the baby, um, they're going to kiss their babies, no doubt. Um, but also just, I mean, it's one of those things that some people feel really strongly about, oh, I don't want anyone kissing my baby. I don't want anyone, you know, kissing baby if they don't feel well. Or some people are like, yeah, that's fine. I don't mind who kisses my baby. So, and different cultures also have different often thoughts on this and how often it's done. I would just use the, choose, use the pandemic as an excuse if you like to say to people, I would appreciate if you didn't kiss the baby, just, you know, with everything going on. And I think people would be very respectful of that, but I would try and reduce just secretion of saliva because it's this a disease that seems to be droplet spread at this stage. So it is actually the droplets of, you know, sneezes and coughs and so forth that land on a surface or a hand or anything like that. That is how the disease seems to be spreading. So it's not just a case of breathing the same air as someone who is tested positive. It's, it's usually, the research currently is looking at the fact that it's actually through droplets. So kissing is open, opening things up that we could possibly potentially otherwise avoid. Um, just in general parenting at home with a newborn baby, again, the hand hygiene, I'd just be, I'd just be more, strict, more strict than before. So before and after feeding, before and after handling the baby, you also want to keep your own immunity up. So this is something that 
it's good to know for all times of life, not just now, but really important to focus on it now. And if you currently thought I really didn't need a balanced diet or I do have things in my diet that are lacking or I am supposed to be taking this supplement or this vitamin, but I just don't, just be mindful and I would highly suggest that you get into the habit of actually making it a priority because your health is a priority and the better your immune system is, the better you fight things. So the better your immune system is, even if you are to come in contact and you are to test positive and get COVID-19, if you're healthy and you've got a good immune system and nothing else going on, the symptoms are pretty much going to be potentially really mild because over 80% of people who actually do contract it have mild symptoms. So it is it is those unwell people or those immune compromised people or people who are, have other things going on that are the ones that are getting really unwell with it. So if you just make a mindful focus on actually trying to look after your body a little bit more that will also go a long way with regards to keeping up your immunity and being strong enough that if and when you are to catch it and my guess is that it will become one of our cold and flu strains that probably goes around for from now on and it probably won't just disappear altogether it may end up in a flu vaccination in a couple of years or next year or you know it'll be it'll become something that does travel around the community we just need to stem it now so it doesn't go crazy because it spreads very fast. So focusing on your immunity, now is a good time to step back and make that focus. So focus on your diet. Lots of water. Breastfeeding mums need so much water anyway. And I often would say to people, every time you breastfeed, have a big glass of water afterwards, every single time, but on top of your normal you know, liters of water that you should be drinking a day. It is good to keep taking water, not because water is going to kill it. I have seen lots of different things about water killing the bug or the temperature of the water and all these different things. Outside of all of that, your body needs water to run and run successfully and function properly. So just be mindful of increasing your water. Sleep, and I want to laugh when I say this, I'm talking to probably a bunch of either pregnant or new mums who don't get much sleep. Good sleep when you can is your body is more run down when you're sleep deprived. So this is such a tough one because there might not be anything you can do to get more sleep and you're probably struggling with it and want to slap me for suggesting it. But I do think if we can be mindful in these times of trying to get some rest, whether it's sleep when the baby sleeps, again, you've probably heard this a thousand times, probably don't have time and so forth, but do just keep in mind you want to feel a bit more rested to help your body fight anything that might come your way in future to keep it mild, keep it quick and move forward and carry on. So that is one thing that I want to um, try. Just try and look at your over, overall health and well-being because the healthier you are, the more immune your immune system kicks in and works a lot harder generally. One thing I want to talk about too um, before I finish is the children age group. Children aged zero to nine, this age group, they, they appear to be sailing through this pandemic, which is so reassuring as they seem to be less affected by this. And this is something quite amazing to see because a lot of pandemics and a lot of um, infectious diseases do hit children and elderly harder than us in the mid-range. So it's very reassuring and great to see that children seem to be less affected. Um, and the thing I will say with that is it also my little flags go up and think, well, if they're less affected and they're not symptomatic, they could potentially be these little virus carriers running around with no signs. So it is just, again, to be mindful that even if your children seem otherwise well, I would try in as much as you can. I'm I'm realistic. I have four kids. I know this is not totally possible 100% of the time, but try to discourage like 
children kissing the baby on the lips or try and really talk and educate your children about, you know, sneezing into the elbows or coughing into their elbows and, you know, washing hands and just really encourage the hand washing. And like what I said before, when you when you actually think about the fact that it's potentially the droplets of saliva from sneezing and coughing that are spreading this bug, if you can really put some time and effort into um, educating older children of that, because they may be not symptomatic and they may have this because it's not affecting them, it, they may still be carrying it. So just be mindful of that around your new babies. Um, and I mean, kids always seem to have a bunch of bugs. Um, it seems to be the one thing that, you know, you walk into a daycare and half the kids have probably got a bunch of bugs, but often they just carry on and you're none the wiser. So it is just something else to be mindful around your new baby as siblings, just really spending the time to educate siblings on on the hand hygiene. Hand sanitizers, great. If you have them, you know, using them, something with more than ideally 60 or 70% of alcohol content is great. If you don't and you can't get it because everyone's gone crazy and the shops have been sold out and all of that, just hand wash your hands with soap and water. It's still going to be helpful. So don't panic that you don't have been, haven't been able to get your hands on hand sanitizer. You're not going to be able to stop it and you're going to be this big ball of COVID-19 walking around. Just washing hands with soap and water, if you don't have hand sanitizer, will be fine. So that's one thing I want to say. Another big concern for um, parents, and it has come to me in messages and on my social media and my Instagram, is that people are concerned, and this is my probably one of my biggest concerns about this, people are concerned that people are panic buying and going crazy in the shops. I, mean, I don't know what country you're listening to, but I can sure as heck say that here in Australia, Toilet paper's never been so popular and it's ridiculous to even say that. And people, it's bringing out the worst in people. I am I'm seeing selfish buying. I'm seeing families of two or three people buying two or three trolleys full of toilet paper. They don't need that much toilet paper. That'll last them probably years. I'm seeing the same, same thing. Families buying trolleys full of rice and trolleys full of pasta. Meat in our supermarkets currently is basically you have to get there when it opens to get any meat. You can't. I only the only pasta in the whole shop the other day was the gluten free pasta. This is panic buying, and this is people thinking, "Oh my gosh, what if we get cut off from going to the supermarkets? I need to stock up." I understand that people are worried about being able to provide for their families. I understand that. We need to also remember there's also people that can't afford to panic buy or stock up. There's people that live week to week. There's elderly people. There's people on um, pensions and benefits that can't afford more than their weekly shop, which might be their six rolls of toilet paper, their one packet of rice, you know, their two loaves of bread and their mints. We have, we're wiping all of that. People are going into the supermarkets unable to buy what they need. People are looking for paper towels to use for toilet paper. People are selling toilet paper on eBay and things like that for quadruple the price. That is not okay. That is not who we should be as humans. We are have a virus going around. Again, you'll hear talk that it's a cold and flu virus, you know, influenza-like to cold-like, you know, 80% of symptoms are going to be mild. People are panicking because, yes, potentially things are going to start shutting down and stopping, you know, keeping people isolated isolated and social distancing, which I totally get because it's just about reducing the spread of it being spread so fast, which makes total sense. But it is not Armageddon and it's not World War Three. 
we need to be mindful that the people around us also need supplies. So we need to be sensible about how much we're buying. So my urge to you guys is hopefully this um, episode has given you a bit more information and oversight into if you are pregnant with regards to the likelihood of, you know, what, what that would look like for you and the fact that it probably, you know, majority of the time, well, basically all the research so far states that it's not going to go through to your baby when you are pregnant. Talking about the fact that breastfeeding is safe, you know, it's basically motherhood as usual from the time you have your baby with extra vigilance on hand washing and keeping trying to keep buggy people um, and children away from your new baby so hopefully this has reassured some people that they don't need to go out and build their bunker and doomsday prep and lock themselves away for the rest of their lives it is just a case of being mindful though that get get what you need get what will keep you um, you know adequately covered for your family potentially for two or three weeks if you need to but don't get in so much that you come to the point where you're fighting in the supermarkets. Again, look on YouTube. You'll see videos of women fighting over toilet paper. I think it was either Victoria or Sydney. I can't remember, but it was it was sad. It was heartbreaking to see that that's what we've come to as people. Just be mindful about leaving for others and helping others and providing for others, not just taking what you need. And you'll be set for years to come, but people next to you won't even be able to cover themselves for a week. So that's one thing I wanted to say as well on here, because it's been, um, that's probably been the most concerning thing for me in this whole outbreak and in this whole pandemic. So I am happy if you want to message me any questions. Um, I would really, really like it if you shared this. I think that more people need to know the reality of what COVID-19 looks like for pregnancy and what it looks like for newborn babies. Um, I think a bit more medical knowledge and a little bit more advice from medical organizations and medical professionals may help to um, get a little bit of calm around something that otherwise on social media turns into a big uproar when it potentially just needs a clear head to come in and explain the facts and information as it stands today. So I hope you've all got something from this. I'd love it if you could um, comment on my um, Instagram or Facebook, kind of welcome to motherhood podcast with something you found from here or how you found it or how, um, you know, how it's made you feel hopefully a little bit more comfortable. And again, please share it. I think more people need to know and more pregnant mamas need to stop having this worry in their head without knowing the information. That has been wonderful and I'm so thankful that you have joined to listen in today and get a bit of an insight into COVID-19. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Welcome to Motherhood podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when each new episode hits the airwaves. I hope you enjoyed it and can walk away with a few key take-home messages to help you make your motherhood journey that little bit easier. See you next time.